Thank you, Stan. We need to be reminded this is not our home a lot of times, don't we? Our roots go pretty deep here, and it's good to know that this is not the end, that's for sure. You can turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 3, and I'll be there in a minute. The title of my message is, You Should Be Baptized Spiritually. You should be baptized spiritually. There's probably never been an issue that's created division and contention, confusion within Christendom and churches than baptism. And one of the big reasons is the fact that they take verses that were to the Jewish people and they brought them over into the dispensation of grace and that's created the problems. Uh, the churches, they argue all the time. They argue about the mode, the candidate, the authority of the one who does the baptizing. Is it by immersion, sprinkling, or pouring? Is it for remission of sins? Is it to become a member of a church? Do you baptize an infant, a child, or just an adult? Who baptizes? A priest? preacher, a lay person, what formula is used? What words are used? Do you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Or as in Acts 2, do you baptize them in Jesus' name only? Some churches actually, they use the triune, the Trinity, immersion for each person. They take them down three times. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and if you're not drowned by then, they'll take you down again. <laughs> Many associate baptism as being part of salvation. If you don't believe that, try to take it away from them. It's an amazing thing. As a Baptist, it doesn't, we always said, it doesn't save but it's part of one's public testimony. You can't be a member or serve until water baptized. First of all, that's not in the Bible. That's interesting, okay. And it's tradition. And you don't have verses and yes, unless you use Israel's verses for it. When asking people if they've ever been saved, many of them will say, well, I've been saved baptized, okay, or as some preach, say, baptized, yeah, you know, and uh, that's the first thing they say back to you, and all this leads people to start new churches, to have new denominations that began, and it has led to mass confusion, or even a false salvation that's not really even real. When the word baptism is mentioned, most think it means water. That's not true in the Bible. Matthew 3.11 says this here. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, dry, and with fire, dry. Or Luke 12.50 that says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. And what he's talking about is the baptism of death. 
So actually, there are 12 baptisms found in the Bible. And seven to eight of them are all dry. No water whatsoever. Baptism means to dip as used in the dipping of hyssop in blood during Passover. They take the hyssop branch and they dip it in the blood and put it over their doorpost, of course. Baptism means or has the sense of washing, uh, some type of ceremonial cleansing. Hebrews 6.2 says this, of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, and of laying on of hands. It states in chapter 9, verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers, what? Washings. It's the same word as baptisms in the other verse. It's the word baptizo. And washings pertain to the Jews, to Israel, because of their cleansings. It has the sense of cleansing. Now the truth, scripturally, baptism means to be identified with. That's what it means. A ritual ceremony, washing of water was the first was first instituted at Mount Sinai under the law given to Moses. Israel's priests were to be washed, baptized when inducted into the priesthood office at the age of 30. And it states in Exodus 29:1 and this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them, to hollow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. And he says that, then verse 4 says this, And Aaron and his son shall, thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall wash them with water, or baptize them with water. Leviticus 8 verse 6, And Moses brought Aaron and his sons, and washed them with water. Verse 8, And he put the breastplate upon him also. He put the breastplate and Urim and the Thummim. So when they were being uh, placed into the position of priest and high priest, they washed them, they baptized them. Numbers chapter 8, verse 5, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the Levites from, they're the priesthood, from among the children of Israel, and cleanse them. And thus shalt thou do unto them to cleanse them, sprinkle water of purifying upon them, and let them shave their flesh, and so on. So it was a sprinkling ceremony, a baptism of washing to be part of the priesthood. Chapter 19 of Numbers, verse 18. And a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it upon the tent, upon the vessels, and upon the persons that were there, and upon him that touched the bone and so on. So you can see these washings, they were baptisms. They were identifying with the ceremonial cleansing. God has chosen, prophesied about, promised as part of Israel's kingdom, part of their religion and their new covenant, that they all, the whole nation, would become a kingdom of priests. And what does the priest have to do? Be washed, baptized. Luke 1, 32, 
He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. They talk about this kingdom that's going to be on earth one day. Exodus 19.6 says it this way, And you shall be unto me, Israel, a kingdom of what? Priests. What did the priests have to do? Be baptized, be sprinkled, be washed. Ceremonial cleansing. Isaiah 61.6 But ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of our God. They're going to be priests of the Lord. The whole nation of Israel will be ministers ministering to an entire world during the kingdom. 1 Peter 2.9, he says to the Jews, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. What does the priest have to do? Be washed, be baptized. Revelation 1.6, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Then it states in chapter 5, verse 10, and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Chapter 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for how long? A thousand years. So the priests needed to be washed, baptized ceremonially for cleansing. Now, the word baptism means to be identified with. So they were baptized to be identified with Messiah and the kingdom. This was the message of the little flock, the remnant, the believing Jews that he's the Christ. It identified them, prepared them to be identified as future priests of the kingdom. It will be for all those believers. So when John comes out preaching the baptism and uh, they understand what it's about, they understood prophecy said they're going to be a kingdom of priests. So they went out and were ceremonially washed, baptized in water. That was their knowledge of what they were to do. They're going to be a kingdom of priests one day. But also, something about this water baptism, this washing, it states in Mark 1.4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance, what? For the remission of sin. Now, water baptism did not save them. But water baptism, their obedience, was an expression of their heart, an expression of their faith. So if they would not be baptized, that meant they didn't have faith. And if they didn't have faith, that means they were What? Lost unbelievers. Okay? The Pharisees, an example. Luke 7, 29. Just follow me, please. And it'll make sense, I promise. And all the people that heard him 
and the publicans justified God being baptized. They heard, they believed, and they justified God's man and God's message, and they followed in baptism with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God. They wouldn't believe it. And to prove they didn't believe it themselves, being not baptized of him. Do you see that? The reason they weren't baptized is they didn't believe. Because if they believed, they would have been baptized. Okay? Very simple. Mark 16, 16. By the way, who is Mark writing to? To the Jewish people. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Some people try to say, well, the last part of the verse nullifies the first part. No, no, it doesn't. The last part of the verse, if you don't believe, you don't need to be baptized. <laughs> you don't need to be baptized if you don't believe. Okay? Acts 2.38. Then Peter said, uh, to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, who's Peter speaking to? He's speaking to the nation of Israel. All the people of Israel, they're at, they're at uh, Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. They're all Jews from all over, and he's speaking to them. Later on, Peter writes, 1 Peter 3.21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also save us now. See, they understood what baptism meant to the Jews. Now, dispensationally, as long as God dealt with Israel, the sign people, they were required to have faith that Jesus is the Christ. Repentance is and water baptism. They also were expected to have righteous works, deeds, follow the law, and be spirit-empowered. But when Israel as a nation rejected the 12 apostles' message, the kingdom offer in Acts 3, 5, and 7, they, their final decision of the religious leaders they stoned Stephen in Acts 7. At that moment, God's dealing with the nation Israel stopped. Israel fell, thus temporarily, they were set aside because they had committed the unpardonable sin. Do you know you cannot commit the unpardonable sin? The unpardonable sin was to Israel. They had rejected the Father, they had rejected the Son, and in Acts, they were rejecting the Holy Spirit. A complete rejection of the Godhead. And finally, they stoned Stephen to show their rejection. And his dealing with them stopped. That meant their promised priesthood with baptism and things would also be postponed. That will take up later on over here after we, the body of Christ, are taken out of here and God resumes his dealings with Israel. That's when that will take place. So God then, they rejected final rejection in Acts 7, 
But God had a backup plan. And God in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, saved and raised up a new apostle, Paul, giving him a new message, the gospel of grace message, called out to be one new man, the mystery body. It states in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first, he's the first one in the body of Christ, in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him. Till I... I'm the pattern of how a person is saved. How was Paul saved? By grace. He didn't deserve it. He wasn't even looking for it. And God knocked him down. Isn't that amazing? And he's the pattern of this new dispensation of grace, the body of Christ. Now, it's during Acts 9... Acts 7, Israel says no for the final time. Acts 9, a new apostle is raised. And from Acts 9 to Acts 28, there is what we call a transitional time that goes from this Israel to this, the body of Christ. It's a gradual, progressive changing of the guard. Though God was done for... uh, a testimony time with the nation of Israel, he did have Paul to be able to go to the individual Jews first, making sure that there would be a remnant of Jewish believers. It states in Romans eleven five. even so then at this present time, Paul says, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. It's during this transition, Acts 9 through Acts 28, that went from Israel's program to the new mystery body program. From Peter, the 12, to Paul, the apostle. They went from Israel's earthly program to Paul's heavenly program. As the Jewish system was being set aside, and being set aside included water baptism. In Paul's new ministry and message, baptism eventually, gradually ceased. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.14, I thank God that I baptized none of you. (laughs) That's a pretty big statement. The people Paul baptized, you can count on your hands. He said, I'm glad I didn't baptize you. Now, if it was associated with salvation for the Jews, that's quite a statement right there, isn't it? He says in verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Do you see that? See, the gospel is separate from baptism during the dispensation of grace that we are in right now. Amen? That's some good stuff right there, whether you know it or not. Verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it, the cross, is the power of God. Amen. Now, here's a couple of questions I'll answer and I'll close. 
But did not Paul baptize? He baptized a few at the beginning, didn't he? When Paul was first saved, he didn't have all of the revelation of the mystery program at one time. God gave it to him some here, some more, some more, some more. Okay? And so in his new mystery gospel grace, the program, the body of Christ, Paul says this, Galatians 1.15, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach the, among him, the, uh, among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles. Paul says, I got this revelation not from the twelve, they're to Israel. But God personally came and revealed it to me. He gave me some now. He's given me some for later on. And it was during this time when he was in Arabia that Christ met with Paul. And the revelation, the truth, was given to Paul in a progressive way, a little at a time, that his nation Israel had been set aside temporarily. And Paul, this new program I'm beginning has started with you. You're the first. 2 Corinthians 12.1 It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and what? Revelations. God personally revealing to Paul truth. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then when we have the whole word of God face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I also am known. He received the revelation until he had full understanding. And finally at the end of Acts, Acts 28, 28, be it known therefore unto you, you Jews, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. The transition's over. I'm going out now to all of them. During this time of transition, it took 20 to 30 years, Paul's ministry, he did, since he was Jewish, he did a number of Jewish things in order to try to reach individual Jews. And part of the things that he did included water baptism because it meant so much to him. Paul also spoke in tongues, languages, healed the sick, raised the dead, sent handkerchiefs that healed people, cast out demons, took Jewish vows by shaving his head, had offered an animal sacrifice in the temple, even had baptized a few early in the transition. But notice these verses. 1 Corinthians 1, 22. For Jews require what? A sign. So to make the transition to happen peacefully and scripturally, God allowed Paul as an apostle to do some amazing things so the Jewish people would know he's of God. Acts 16, 3. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him, Timothy, because what? Of the Jews, which were in those quarters. See, it wasn't doctrine. He had a preference here. 
in order to reach Jews, you had to become a Jewish person in a sense. And so he had Timothy circumcised. Romans 11, 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall, Israel? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Because of Israel's fall, God had a secret plan called the body of Christ. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. And him reaching these other people would cause the religious leaders to have a heart attack. He used to work with them. He was the persecutor. Now he's the proclaimer. Amazing. And then go to 1 Corinthians 9. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch that I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Yep, thank you. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew. Why? That I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law. Why? That I might gain them. So Paul, when he was in Jewish circles, respected their Jewish customs and followed that. That makes sense? Okay? The Jews said baptism was important. They're going to be a kingdom of priests. Paul knew how important it was to them. So he baptized a few. Should we practice these things today? And the answer is no. Did you know that every one of these Jewish things that I just mentioned are requirements practiced by Paul after Acts 28? No. Paul says you don't do them any longer. And it's a fact Paul could no, long, could no longer at the end of Acts 28 do the supernatural. That time was over. Now it's a dispensation of grace. We walk by faith, not by sight. He says, 2 Timothy 4.20, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trimophia, uh, Trophimus, have I left at Miletum? What? Why didn't he heal him? That had faded away. Amen? Notice 1 Timothy 5.23, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Why didn't he heal him? Because those things that were in the other dispensation, he was getting further away. Progressive revelation had come to him now. He began to understand more. It states this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me, Paul, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that, I might depart, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer. Now remember, this is the great apostle who had healed people, cast out devils, raised the dead. And he's got some kind of eye infirmity. And he says, God, would you take it away? God said, no. Times have changed. Transition's over. Now you walk by faith in what my word has to say. Amen? 
The last record of water baptisms by Paul took place in Acts 18, 19. Before Paul wrote his first book in Corinthians, he wrote it in Acts 19.20. Before he wrote his first book, he had come to the decision, no more baptisms. Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. There is no record of Paul ever baptizing again. In Paul's 13 books, he wrote, and Paul never commands us to baptize or to be water baptized. As Paul received new revelations because they didn't have a complete Bible, new revelations, it was shown for the body of Christ today, baptism was no longer necessary to baptize because the Jewish transition of being set aside had been completed. The transition from Acts 9 to Acts 28 was from Israel's prophetic earth program, and it trans. What It went from that to the body of Christ program, from the sight program to the faith spiritual program. During our dispensation of grace, it isn't a literal, physical water baptism. Today, it is a spiritual baptism that happens the moment you get saved. The moment you get saved, you are spiritually baptized, identified, in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 5, I'm trying to hurry. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And that one baptism is, it takes you out of Adam and places you in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Out of Adam into Christ, identified into a spiritual union relationship with God Almighty Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all what? Not physical, seen, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 13, In whom Christ ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That needs to take place today if you're not saved. But when you're saved, that happens, that takes place. Then somebody will say, well, Jesus was baptized, and if Jesus thought it was important to be baptized, I want to follow and be like Jesus. My question is, why was Jesus baptized? You remember when he was here on earth who he ministered to. Romans 15, 8 says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was the minister of the... Who's the circumcision? The Jews. And it goes on to say, Truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon. Those promises, he is to the Jews during Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The reason he was baptized was to fill the prophetic prophecies. Luke 3, 3. And he came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet saying. Notice chapter 5 verse 17. 
Isaiah the prophet. No, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill the law. Christ came to the Jews. They were under law, a man born under the law, Christ, and he lived to fulfill the law. He came to identify with his people. I'm skipping some verses, guys. And he was baptized to mark the beginning of his ministry at the age of 30. It states this in Matthew 3, 16, 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting up on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Israel, this is the one that has been promised. There he is. John, this is your cousin. This is the one I want you to identify. He's the one. Amen? John chapter 1, verse 32. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it bowled up on him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. Christ came, was baptized in order to unveil himself. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. I'm the one, all the prophets, and I'm beginning my ministry. We today could not follow, fulfill in water baptism, anything close to the meaning of Jesus Christ's baptism. They say, well, my baptism's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Well, let me just break your heart by saying Jesus Christ was not immersed. Jesus Christ, as all those are going to be priests, were sprinkled with water and hyssop. That's how he was baptized in those waters. And by the way, Jesus Christ was not placed in a watery grave. He was buried in rock, in a tomb, and not some watery grave. So today, it's only spirit baptism that is required. And when saved, we're spiritually placed into the relationship, the fellowship of the body of Christ with him. Israel was a literal, physical water baptism. It was a Jewish rite to prepare them to become priests and for the remission of sins. But ours today is a spiritual baptism that identifies us with Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Think about what Christ accomplished his death, he paid the penalty for all of our sins. He shed his blood and he died. His burial, he took our sins far away, never to return. They're gone. His resurrection, accepted by the Father, 
He came forth with newness of life. Our sins were left buried in the grave, never to rise to condemn us as the believer ever again. What Christ accomplished, we believers also accomplished being in him. I'll not say the verses, fellas, but spiritually, when you're saved, you identify his death on the cross becomes your death. His burial in the tomb becomes your burial. And his resurrection identifies you as being resurrected also. Spiritually, when you trust Christ, we are buried, we die, we're buried, we rise again spiritually in our relationship with God. Romans 6, 3, and 4, fellas. Romans 6. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, that spirit, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That's us. Go to Colossians 2.10, fellas, if you would. I like this verse, one of my favorites. And ye are complete in him. When somebody tries to tell you, you need to do more than believing in the gospel to make you complete, you can't get any more complete than when you are placed in Christ. You are complete because you're in him. That makes you complete because his death, his burial, his resurrection becomes ours. Amen? It's not, baptism is not about a water witness, but it's about a walk witness. Water baptism might satisfy one's flesh, but water baptism never will help one in their newness of life. Amen. That's what I want to preach on this morning. And I cut some out, I tell you, I promise. I know you're looking at your watch. Say, is that working? <laughs> so many people are so confused about this. I hope I didn't confuse you more today. <laughs> but you have to understand, who was he writing to, when, where, what, why? Water baptism is not for us. It was for Israel. If you can get that straight, you read Paul's epistles from Romans through Philemon, the 13 books he wrote, you'll never find one time in there that we should be baptized, except spiritually baptized. Isn't that amazing? Father, we love you. Thank you for the patience of the people. I know I showed a lot of verses and I was going on. Didn't even know what I was going to say half the time. But, Lord, you're good, and I just thank you for helping. I ask you that some of the things that we said this morning might sink in to people's minds and hearts. They might get a hold of it. It's vital that we rightly divide your word. It's vital that we understand the different dispensations. It was for those people and those people alone. And, God, our grace 
dispensation is for us, the body of Christ today. It's not for those previous or those after the body is raptured. It's for us today. May we get this straight in our thinking, and then it helps clears up some of the false doctrine that people are teaching in churches that you even need to be baptized to be saved today. And we say, no, you don't. As a matter of fact, you don't even need to be baptized to be saved. You just need to believe in the gospel, and that will save you. Be with our people. Give them a wonderful day. Help them to be COVID-free. Keep them safe this week. We love you. May the people that are watching by live stream, may we have been a blessing today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you is our prayer.